And we're live. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Wheelie Podcast. I'm your host, Micah Toll, and I'm joined by Seth Weintraub. How's it going, Seth? I'm good. Awesome. So we are both here in Florida today, and we are excited to talk about the latest in electric bike and other electric rideable news. We've got a lot of interesting stories to talk about this week. Just a quick overview of the subjects we'll be talking about. We'll start with Van Moof's new next-gen electric bikes, and then there's a new giant-wheeled 36-inch wheel electric bike coming out that's uh, apparently one of Shaq's favorite bikes. Next, we've got a new mid-drive motor from Bafong, followed by a new electric moped update from Himaway. Aerial Rider has a 32-mile-an-hour electric bike coming out, and then uh, keeping with all of these high-powered two-wheelers, we've got a, another Onyx model of electric moped, also another high-power, high-speed e-bike. Then we'll move into some uh, electric motorcycles with the TS Bravo, follow that up with the Wolf King GT, a 63-mile-an-hour standing electric scooter that we tested out this week. And we'll finish it up with the latest awesomely weird Alibaba electric vehicle of the week, which takes us a little maritime this week. So uh, where are we starting off, Seth? All right, Van Moof unveils next-gen electric bikes, including novel-sized A5 with new angled frame. Let's get in there. Awesome. So, yeah, these are Van Moof's newest e-bikes. Uh, Van Moof is a Dutch-based electric bicycle company. They're definitely known for these very sleek, very sexy-looking, highly-designed e-bikes. So the fifth-gen includes the new S5 and the new A5. The S5 will be a little more familiar to most people that are used to that um, sort of horizontal top bar diamond frame bike. I think it drops to 27 and a half inch wheels now, which is a little smaller. And then there's the new A5, which has similar tech, but it's got a sloping top tube. It's a bit of a smaller bike, 24 inch wheels, and it's going to be a little more nimble in urban areas. Both the bikes, though, still hold on to a lot of what makes Van Moof, the brand that we know and love. They've got those lights built right into the frames. So you've got nothing hanging off. They've got that uh, automatic shifting, internally geared rear hub, uh, front hub motor, a boost button. So when you're rolling along on pedal assist and you need that extra power for you know tackling a hill or overtaking a car, you can hit that boost button on the handlebar and suddenly you'll get some extra torque. There are the um, disc brakes, and then there's also some cool cargo racks and uh, accessories that FanMove has brought out as well that can sort of turn these bikes into more than just a commuter city bike, almost more of a utility e-bike. So um, on the technology side, we've also got a few changes as well. If you guys remember that old style uh, sort of dot matrix display that VanMove uh, used to use, now it's been uh, deleted. I think that, that was kind of a controversial piece. Some people liked it. Some people really didn't like it. To me, it seemed a little bit retro. But uh, now we've got a, a cool new mount for the uh, phone-based app that gives you all of your data right there on the phone. And then uh, you can also access like um, you know navigation or um, track your rides, that sort of thing. And then there's also a sort of interesting... Not, I, I guess I wouldn't call it a display, but it's a halo ring of uh, LEDs that goes around the handlebar. And based on the color changes, it lets you know uh, things like battery display, ride mode, that sort of thing. So again, they've stuck with the minimalist built-in display, but it's uh, a little sleeker and a little less 1980s, I would say, than the, the dot matrix. Uh, so what do you think of the design update, Seth? I know you've had some experience with Move. 
Yeah. Um, so I love it. Obviously, I think it's, you know, VanMoof is, if nothing, they're designed. I mean, and, and VanMoof is more than just design, but um, I, re I really like love the way they, they go with their bikes, the, the minimalist approach. There's no, you know, wires hanging off. There's it's it's not even obvious that it's a, an electric bike. Um, I think the biggest controversy with VanMoof, well, a couple um, is you know, the front mounted motor, is that the way to go? You know, it, it puts some weight on the front wheel. Um, and, you know, the question I have, the van move that I, I used, um, the gearing wasn't perfect. Like I would go up a hill and it would downshift and, you know, make it harder to go. So I had an early prototype. There was some software updates that obviously fixed that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, it's like all this, all the technology added to this is it additive to the biking experience or you know is it too much technology and and i think van woof is kind of working through those 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 problems to try to make it seamless as possible um but you know from the from what we have like the appearance they seem amazing i was also in the uh the the um display matrix thing the dot thing being you know, a double-edged sword. Um, at night, it was fine. During the, you know, I had a, a light blue uh, version of it, and um, during the daytime, it was very hard to see any anything on the display. So I'm glad they kind of revisited that. You know, they could probably could have made something like a dark background, and it, it would have probably been usable. But I think most people have mobile phones with them anyway, so this is probably a good move. Um, you know, I, I noticed on the chain uh, stays that it, it looks like they have, um, it's not the same uh, uh, sprocket size. And um, it looks like they have like a little secondary sprocket to, to make it tighter. Um, I don't know if that's going to change the feel at all. Um, you know, at, at this point, yeah, I wonder they're... why they don't just do a belt drive. Um, but, you know, and, and they have the... Uh, the gearing is, I assume, still going to be a three-speed in the back. Do we know if that's still? Yeah, I believe it's still a, a three-speed. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, man, I, I would love to see them go with a belt drive. Though at $3,000 now, I wonder how much higher that would push the price. That's true, yeah. I just, it it's a such a high-tech bike. It's the, the chain is like the one thing that kind of, I feel like they could still upgrade. Um Let's see what else. I'm looking at the uh, smaller that, version. What's that? Sorry. Um, yeah, I was going to say, at, at least, you know, they've got the enclosed chain there, which is nice. It sort of gives you a little bit of the benefit of the belt and that it's, you know, clean. It probably requires less oiling because it's not as exposed to the elements, but it doesn't have, you know, the nice uh, quiet sound and the long lasting, you know, 10, 20,000 miles of a belt. Yeah. And I do like those brakes as well that, very clean um i don't know it 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 looks really good i can't wait to kind of get a review of it um when when are these going to be on the streets uh it's a good question i don't recall exactly I, I think in the next couple of months um but uh i don't think we have any lined up just yet for a review but as soon as they are um, either Seth or myself will definitely be back with these. I know Seth did the last one, so it'd probably be interesting for him to do this model and compare to see, 
you know, how it really uh, feels against the last model they released, the uh, S3, I believe. Yeah, I love a lot of things about the S3. It, it was just, um, you know, we were so early in the review cycle that I feel like they were still polishing the, uh, the software off a little bit. Um, and, and actually, Jeff Benjamin at 9to5Mac did a subsequent review uh, because of the Find My feature and, and some other stuff that was Apple-friendly. Um, and yeah. loved it. So I'm definitely excited about getting back in there. Well, that's All right, the other thing on. I've been moved is... Oh, sorry. Oh, no, sorry. Go ahead. So the, uh, yeah, the last cool thing I would say about Van Move for all those sort of like find my integrations and the anti-theft, it's just, you know, sort of above and beyond what most companies do for theft deterrence where they've got, you know, the kick lock built in, the bike hunters, the find my integration. So, you know, you're paying 3000 bucks, but you are getting more than other e-bike companies build into their bikes. Yeah. And traditionally that the kind of the knock on Van Move is that they haven't they don't have quite the same amount of power that, you know, just like the standard U.S. bikes have, which is, you know, 750 watts. Um, but they have that throttle, well, the boost button, which they've, they've clarified is not a throttle, but it only works while you're pedaling. So it gets by the, um, you know, the European laws where um, you can't have a, a throttle. So, um that does help like, you know, when you're on a hill or whatever, but you still have to be pedaling. It is, it is kind of a, a quirky situation there. And, and I think I remember the original van move review. I was like, Hey, it has really good power while on the throttle. Why not just make the throttle like the default level of power? But you know, these are more for bike riders and not uh, people who want mopeds. <laughs> yeah. That's a good call. All right. Uh, moving on, Shaq's favorite bicycle company, Dirty Sixer, unveils the largest electric bike in the world with 36-inch wheels. Yeah, so this is kind of nuts. 36-inch wheels, it's a it's a standard size in that it exists, but it's a very specialty type of wheel. I know it's used a lot for uh, unicycles that are designed for um, higher speeds and longer distances because you can go further and unicycles are obviously direct drive. But uh, occasionally, we've seen full-size bikes built with them. And Dirty Sixer is a company that specializes in 36-inch wheel bicycles. And, uh, you know, they've got all sorts of uh, professional athlete clients, especially from the NBA. So there's a lot of um, NBA players that ride these. And the owner, David Fulch, just rolled out the first electric version of these gigantic bicycles. So uh, it's got a Shimano Steps mid-drive motor, though he's uh, also playing with a Vallejo and I think potentially a Bosch motor as well. So we're not sure what the motor is going to be on the final version. But basically what you've created is this just sort of ridiculously sized bicycle that fits people that wouldn't normally fit on a you know, standard bicycle with even you know, larger 28, 29-inch wheels. So in the e-bike world, you know, a lot of these bikes are sort of one size fits most. A lot of companies only have one frame size and the ones that have different sizes, maybe it's two, sometimes three. You rarely get, you know, really large sizes. So, you know, if you're a seven foot something basketball player and you want to ride an e-bike, there's not a lot of options out there. I might even say there are no other options out there. So this is a, a kind of neat niche product that uh, isn't going to have a huge market but it's got an important market that is underserved, I would say. What do you think, Seth? Well, first of all, I, 
that's Wanda Sykes on there. I thought there was a, a child. And I guess she's not super <laughs> tall anyway, but um, we're, you know, those just listening, uh, we're looking at the video at the bottom of the post. Um, yeah, these, these folks are big, big people, these basketball players. Um, I guess it's fantastic that they now have a e-bike option or will soon have an e-bike option. Um, yeah, it's kind of crazy. I, like it, what, you know, there's advantages to having bigger wheels. Like I know mountain bikes kind of moved to the 29 inch, uh, you know, from the 27 and 26 inch, uh, wheels. Um, would there be any like benefit to normal size people, uh, or, you know, just like six, five people, uh, riding these bikes or is this kind of for the, only for the, the, the top end of the, uh, bell curve here? Yeah, I mean, theoretically, you know, it would feel great rolling over like, um, you know, potholes and stuff. You could hit right. some pretty big holes and, and barely dip into them. There's probably, you know, some higher rolling resistance. And on the pedal versions, at least, I imagine getting that thing rolling. I mean, that's a pretty big moment you've got to overcome with all that right. rubber so far away from the, the center of the uh, axis there. But with an e-bike, you know, it basically takes away that that weight penalty um same thing for you know fat tire bikes that they just have a lot of inertia in those wheels and an e-bike makes it a lot easier to ride them so if you could climb up onto this as a sort of normal sized person and then potentially you know still reach the pedals then yeah i think it would actually be a probably a better ride but i'm five foot seven and i don't think i'm gonna be able to climb onto this ladder of a bike yeah it's it it, it does remind me a little bit of the the unicycle uh, situation where you like getting on is going to be the hardest part. So that's interesting. Yeah. Well, good for them. I'm glad, uh, I'm glad they're serving the, the other part of the market there. All right, moving on. Uh, Bafang launches new M510 high power, lightweight electric bike mid drive motor. So Bafang is, uh, for anyone who's not familiar, probably the um, most highly regarded of the Asian motor manufacturers. Uh, most people wouldn't rank it up there with like, you know, Bosch and Broza, but it, they are a very good motor manufacturer and they have just rolled out this new M510 mid-drive motor that replaces their former M500. And this is a higher power motor. I mean, it's listed as 250 watts for legal reasons, but um, they're able to say the the real torque, which is 95 Newton meters. And torque is really the way that you compare these mid-drive motors because um, when the wattage is regulated to a maximum of 250 watts, that means they all get a 250 watt sticker. So I would say at 95 Newton meters of torque, it's in the probably upper 25 percentile of power for all the mid drive motors out there. And the more powerful ones are pretty much those made by Bafang. So they're really competing with themselves here. And this new motor comes with uh, a torque sensor, a couple of display options, uh, which in the past, we, we haven't always seen multiple displays from Bafang. So, you know, they're starting to move into some of the, you know, Bosch and, and Broza territory with, with offering a wider selection of parts in their ecosystem so that OEMs can uh, manufacture bikes with different options and, you know, different batteries, that sort of thing. So um, this, <clears throat> this, new, this new motor with the torque sensor and the, the multiple components in the ecosystem seems like it's, it's really pushing Bafang into a a new level here. Some of these, uh, you know, nicer, higher quality motors that are going to better compete with their European rivals. And, you know, in the past, we, we've had a really good experience with these 
powerful Bafang motors. Seth, I know you've done some of the Bafang Ultra motor before. Um, care to share any of your power experiences with Bafang? Yeah, so, you know, I think the Ultra is a great motor. Unfortunately, I don't think the bike industry was kind of ready for, you know, the, the amount of torque that the, these things have. Uh, for me, um, I ended up uh, kind of ruining my rear sprocket or my rear sprocket set, um, you know, because I, I shifted in the middle of a hill and uh, it kind of just um, melted. You know, I didn't have a uh, a shift sensor in the, the particular bike I was on, so it just kind of melted the, the rear sprocket. The chain kind of did that, like spun until it broke. Um, so you got to be careful with these things. They're, they're a little bit too powerful, I think. Uh, the bike industry has to kind of catch up. And I think, wasn't Bafang even actually working on their own chains and sprockets? Or it's never dreaming? been confirmed, but it's rumored that they are. Um, okay. it, it has been for years. So I, I could see them doing it because it's a necessity for the really highest end of their power spectrum. Though this new yeah. M510 motor here, it might be sort of in the sweet spot because at 95 Newton meters, if you compare that to the 160 from the Bafang Ultra motor, you know, this might be the, you know, very powerful without destroying itself sweet spot. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, like it's, this is a three pound motor. I think the Ultra is what something like, the, or sorry, three kilogram motor, six pounds. The, um, the ultras like double that. And this is going to have I, on a torque basis, it's got 95 uh, Newton meters of torque. And what is the ultra at? Uh, 160. Okay. So most of the torque, half of the weight, it's a pretty good trade off, I think. Yeah. And I think, you know, if you compare it to something like Bosch, I think that um, Bosch's highest power motors, I think are, they go up to 90 Newton meters of torque. So even, you know, the highest end of the European motors aren't uh, quite reaching this level. Yeah, that's always been like, Bafang has always been like, well, if you want more power, you should look into this Bafang. So it's good to see that they're not just going higher, higher and higher. They're they're actually working on the things like weight and and displays and, and they're hitting all the uh, the good spots. Good to see. Absolutely. All right. Uh, moving on. Himaway updates its popular 28 mile per hour plus mile per hour escape pro moped style electric bike with higher performance. So if you're not familiar with the Himaway escape, it's uh, what a lot of people call it a juiced scorpion knockoff. And I would say it's in that class of sort of, you know, step through moped style bikes. I don't know if the scorpion originated that. I mean, you could argue it originated in like the 60s. But um, Juice definitely popularized it with the Scorpion. And so Himaway came in with this very uh, popularly accepted moped-style frame. And it's been successful for a few years. But it had uh, probably the biggest drawback, I would say, was only a modest size battery. It was at 48 volt and 14 amp hours, which is I think is uh, 670 watt hours. So they made a few updates here with the Escape Pro. The biggest one was that they just upped the battery. So now you're at uh, 17 and a half amp hours, which puts you into, I think, 840 watt hours. And that's a, a pretty, pretty big battery. It doesn't quite reach Juiced's one kilowatt hour, but it definitely increases the range. And that's important for spikes specifically. 
because while the Escape ships as a class two street legal e-bike with a 20 mile an hour or 32 kilometer per hour top speed, it's widely known that you can unlock it to closer to 30 miles an hour, uh, even on throttle only operation. And so pretty much everyone unlocks it. And when you're traveling at, you know, 30-ish miles an hour on an e-bike, you're burning through a lot of battery very quickly. You know, the faster you go, you're using exponentially more energy. So it's a, a pretty important update to be able to add more battery to this bike because I think the company realized everyone was basically turning these into little motorcycles and they definitely needed more battery. So in addition to that bigger battery, they also uh, updated a few other things. Um, I think they changed some of the uh, wire routing and uh, I think the, the frame might have been slightly modified, but generally this is uh, just a larger capacity battery on what was already a very popular e-bike, you know, mag wheels, uh, throttle controlled, full suspension. Uh, a lot of people were really big on this e-bike. And I think probably the biggest downside of Himaway and one of their only downsides is they just aren't known for the same level of customer support as the more, um, you know, US based companies like Juice Bikes, for example. But as, as far as, you know, performance and value goes, the Escape and now the Escape Pro are just really high bang for your buck if you're looking for sort of a moped or almost, you know, mini motorcycle style electric bike. Yeah, it's, it's definitely got that, uh, that juiced, uh, Scorpion look. Um, what, how do they compare price wise? They're a couple hundred less, I imagine. Yeah. So this one, uh, I believe it's 1899 now, maybe 1799. And so compared to the, um, Juiced Scorpion X, which I think is the entry level Scorpion now. Um, I believe the Scorpion's a tiny bit more, though the Scorpion does come with uh, hydraulic disc brakes and you get sort of Juiced's ecosystem of batteries and accessories and stuff. So, um, you know, you definitely have some more goodies that you're, you're getting with the uh, Juiced Scorpion. But in terms of value, I would say that there, there's still a lot of bang for buck here you know it's um a little bit less than the scorpion but uh it's actually a little bit more battery capacity i believe on compared to the entry level scorpion now if you upgrade right. to the hyper scorpion there's no comparison um, right. and i think Kill uh off. you know Seth, you, you've got some hyper scorpion experience right yeah i mean I, I like the look of this um it doesn't look as beefy like especially in the, the back area uh, the seat kind of looks a little bit more simple um, but you know, like it certainly probably does the job. I've never actually even ridden a Hemiway, but, um, it, it looks like a solid bike. Um, I also noticed the uh, handlebars seem a little bit higher than the Scorpion. I wonder if that's a different, um, feel as well. Yeah, it's definitely got a, an upright feel. I'm trying to, you know, think now I'd have to see the two of them next to each other to really compare, but it definitely does have a very upright uh almost cruiser cruiser ish feel to it yeah and it looks like it has a better or a bigger display so maybe that you know it's a little bit better than the scorpion uh display which is kind of like one of those uh really small um gives you what you need but not too much more than that um displays that juice juice uh typically has yeah, um, I'd say the, the display here is not as uh, data dense. You know, you can like go into the settings in the juiced one and really get a lot of information on the 
um, other screens that you can you know flip through. But right. uh, it definitely has a much clearer screen here because it's just kind of giant and in your face. Right. And then so the actual like you know we we know 250 watts is what the law is in a lot of places. But what are we talking about once you unlock everything? What's the highest output? Are we talking about like a thousand kilowatts? Or sorry, a thousand watts? Or 1.5 um, kilowatts or what? Yeah, I think we're probably in like the um, little over a thousand, maybe 1200 uh, watt territory. It's probably a uh, either 22 or 25 amp controller in there running a 48 volt battery. So uh, probably a bit over a thousand watts. Okay, so compared to that's comparable to like the base model, like the Scorpion X or um, maybe even if you want to do another comparison, like uh, close to like Rad Runner. Yeah, I'd say even a little more powerful than the Rad Runner. I'd say like the, the Scorpion X got a bit of a power boost over the original Scorpion. So right. it's probably comparable to that, though. Um, you know, at this point now, I think they're so close. I'm trying to think about which one feels like, you know, that more seat of the pants when you twist the throttle. And mm -hmm. they're they're pretty darn close now. It has a suspension. I noticed um, also very similar. Yeah, for me, it's a bit stiff. Uh, I'm pretty lightweight, though, at about 150 pounds. So, you know, I'm below the average American weight. And so they probably have it set up for a bit heavier of a rider. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I would dial back the, the preload a little bit. But in general, you know, when, when you hit something, it's nice to have those dual uh, dual coilover shocks back there because it really does make a difference. And, you know, you don't get launched out of the saddle the way you yeah. would on a hardtail moped. Especially going 30 miles per hour. And um, yeah. I noticed there's uh, some places for accessories. Um, does Himuwe offer like a front basket or a, a second person seat option? Yeah, so they have the front basket, but they don't have a um, a second seat that can go on back there like Juice does. I feel like it'd be an easy thing to add. Maybe they will, but um, you know they don't have the same uh, collection of accessories that that Juice has. That's for sure. Yeah, when I put my son on a similar bike, uh, we just threw a towel on the, the holder area, and he. I mean, this is for you know riding to the beach, so it wasn't anything too crazy um so it looks like you could probably throw a towel on on the back of there and and do an emergency ride yeah definitely it's it's pretty beefy so especially for a kid i think you could get away with a uh, diy seat all right yeah cool bike definitely uh want to check that out all right moving on uh 32 mile per hour aerial rider kepler launches as 1800 uh watt fat tire electric bike with giant battery so uh, we know aerial rider from um or aerial from uh previous bikes this is their full-size fat tire bike yeah definitely they i'd say they're better known for electric mopeds kind of in the the himaway class but a little higher power um a little more excessive and uh in fact i'd say excessive is a good way to describe aerial rider it's like they know where the limit is, and then they go like two or three steps past there. It's sort of their <laughs> ethos, and um, that's basically what they've what they've done here, I'd say. So the Kepler, it's you know in that class of like a Rad Rover and Aventon Adventure, that sort of fat tire electric bike. 
but just much higher power. It's uh, 1,800 watts of peak power, and that sort of fits with the way Aerial Rider builds their bikes. And they say it goes 32 miles an hour when it's unlocked. Uh, you know, of course, it ships in 20 mile an hour class two mode, but you can unlock it. And if anything, I wouldn't be surprised if it goes even faster because some of their other bikes go several miles an hour faster than they claim. Yeah, it's nice to see uh, uh, exceeding expectations, over prom or under promising and over delivering there. Um, yeah, rarity. Yeah. Um, so obviously not legal once you uh, unlock it. How do you unlock it, by the way? Is it a software usually thing? in the or? display. Yeah, so you have to go in and um, usually for these, there's a pretty simple um, menu that you get into. It's generally like you hold, you know, up and down or there's a, a combination of keys that you hold and then you can select things like the tire diameter, the odometer, the speed limit, that sort of thing. On the Grizzly, which is their like top of the line flagship moped, you actually need a password to unlock the speed. Oh, so on that one, I had to actually like text the uh, owner of the company and be like, hey, can I get the password so this thing goes 35 miles an hour? All right. Yeah. So uh, if you need the password for the Grizzly, text text uh, the owner. No, text Mike. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll hook you up. <laughs> uh, so I love these bikes. Uh, 30, 30, uh, probably, let's say 35 mile per hour top speed. Um, that that kind of puts them in a, uh, in, you know, motorcycle-ish uh, or, or at least moped-ish range. Uh, do you see these being used on like regular streets as a, you know, a, a round towner or is this kind of strictly off-road? Yeah, that's a very good point that you touch on. And I think there's a lot of rider responsibility that, that goes on here. So obviously, you know, this is designed as almost an adventure bike. So while you can ride it on road and in a bike lane, it's really going to shine off road on trails, um, you know, like rails to trails networks, uh, some modest single track. I probably wouldn't take this on like, you know, a downhill course, but for overlanding gravel roads, that kind of stuff where, you're going to be making use of those big fat tires and the suspension. I could see a lot of fun, especially putting it in the unlocked mode. And when it comes to commuting in a city, I'm sure people are going to use it unlocked there as well, because it really does turn it into like a small motorcycle at that point, which can be very useful. But at the same time, I think you have to be really careful about sort of the appearance of riding an obviously illegally fast e-bike in a city. Um, you know, it brings a lot of unwanted attention to e-bikes and we really enjoy this really nice area of regulation right now with the three class system. And if a lot of people are out there being hooligans and, um, you know, riding too fast or heaven forbid, you know, getting hurt or hurting other people, then that obviously is going to negatively impact the regulatory, uh, situation that we enjoy right now. So, uh, I, I do hope that if people are riding these on the streets, and if they're doing it unlocked, that A, they're not doing it around, you know, other cyclists in the bike lane and B, they're, you know, being reasonable and safe about how they're doing it when they're riding in the lane. Because there's there's a lot of uh, momentum on these these big, heavy, you know, 90 something pound fat tire bikes when they're moving at 30 miles an hour. Yeah, speaking of that, uh, what's what are those 180s or bigger brake? I'm pretty sure they're 180s. I don't think they're 203s but they are hydraulic brakes. So at least, you know, you've got some, some good powerful brakes to, 
bring you to a stop from 30 plus miles an hour. Yeah, I guess I guess if you're if you are traveling at 30 something miles per hour, you might want to think ahead a little bit when slowing down. Yeah, um, there's some planning to be done. And what do we what do we know about the Kepler name? That sounds like a space thing that I've heard or something. Yeah, I'm not sure how they chose that. Um, they're kind of all over the place. They started with most of the names being the something class. They had like the X class, the D class, the M class. You know, that was kind of a theme. And then all of a sudden they went grizzly on their new one and now we're at Kepler. Yeah. So they're kind of, you know, bouncing all over with the uh, nomenclature here. And we should also mention that their uh, radial city e-bike is uh, $8.99 now, which I think that's probably the lowest price, like high quality bike out there. Yeah, in terms of like a, a city bike or a metro bike, I mean, that's some of the best bang for your buck you're ever going to see. And it's the one not ridiculously high powered aerial rider bike. You know, it's only 20 miles an hour and uh, only 750 watts, which is like low power for this company. Yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, we're going to move on. Um, so we're going a little bit higher power now. Electric motorbike maker Onyx unveils new lower cost uh, CTY2, City2 model as US built electric moped. So we've loved these for a while. Onyx is an interesting company to say the least. Definitely. Yeah, they, uh, they've been around for a while too. It's, uh, I think it was back in 2018, they ran their first Indiegogo and they actually launched two models on Indiegogo. There was their RCR, which is their sort of top tank style electric moped. And then there was a model that looked just like this one, which was the CTY. And that one was about half the performance of the RCR. So while the RCR went 60 miles an hour, about 100 kilometers an hour. CTY was 30 or about 50 kilometers an hour. And that one didn't sell very well when they launched it. I think they only sold about 40 of those. And they sold many, many hundreds of the RCR. And so they, they never ended up making those after the Indiegogo was fulfilled. They just made enough for those original backers. And then that whole um, you know, frame style and, and design of electric moped was sort of put on the back burner with um, the CEO telling me that you know, they wanted to pick it up at some point. This was back in 2009 he told, or 2019 that he told me this. But you, know, you could tell that they were just swamped with orders for the higher performance RCR. So now... Out of nowhere, they come out with the CTY2 reboot, which is a performance improvement over the original CTY. And I think that's going to make it a lot more desirable because when the first model went 30 miles an hour, now this one has about 50% higher top speed. So it gets up to about 45 miles an hour or about uh, 72 kilometers per hour. The interesting thing is you won't find those specs on the website, though because Onyx doesn't actually put the performance specs on the website as they sit in this sort of weird legal gray area between electric bicycles and electric mopeds or motorcycles. So, uh, which seems to be a theme with this podcast here is that the bikes ship as street legal, 20 mile an hour electric bicycles. You know, they've got pedals, they've got handlebars, uh, 750 watt limited motors. So they technically fulfill all the requirements of a street legal electric bicycle. But um, as a uh, unnamed source at the company has told me, these bikes will have two wires that will be able to be connected under the uh, wooden cover there. That'll open up the normal and the sport modes to get it up to <laughs> either 30 or 45 miles an hour. It will unlock the 1500 watt continuous and 4000 watt 
peak rated motor. And uh, it basically turns these into the little electric mopeds uh, or almost electric motorcycles that they really are. And so with the CTY now doing about 45 miles an hour, it's, it's definitely a big improvement over the original CTY that, that didn't really sell that well because the performance was a bit muted. Yeah, uh, for those uh, listening, we're watching the video um, that came out with this and clearly they're not listing high, high speed on their website, but if you look at the video, it's, it's, clip, it's very clear that these are not going 20 miles per hour. It's almost comically fast. Um, it, it almost seems like they're they're speeding up the video because they're going these guys, you know, they're like on a drone shot from like, you know, 200 feet high and they're they're flying by. Uh, at even 45 seems like kind of slow uh, for these they're guys. Even off road, too. Yeah. Um, so it looks like a ton of fun. Um, I've never actually been on an Onyx, so. Um, maybe, maybe on this go around, I'll, I'll, uh, get a chance to jump on one. Uh, yeah, definitely. It looks like They're, a ton of fun. Um, I mean, these are kind of like a step up from, you know, what we were talking about before that the aerial, sorry, the, well, aerial grizzly or the, uh, juice type uh, scorpion or the Himaway yeah. there. These, um, higher voltage, I think, uh, what is it? Is it 72 or 60 volt? This is 60. Yeah. The RCR is 72 volt. So higher voltage. Uh, what, what is the actual wattage output of the motor? Do we even know? So it's uh 1.5 kilowatt continuous, but 4,000 Watts peak. Okay. So that's, we're, we're talking a different animal here. This is, <laughs> this is a motorcycle ish, not maybe not motorcycle, but it's a definite, uh, different class than these, than the uh <clears throat> the stuff that we were talking about earlier um you know we compare it to the, the aerial rider grizzly and the, the super 73 r brooklyn and those are like you know 3500 bikes um and this one comes in at 36 3700 uh on pre-order so that's you're getting a lot of bike for not a lot more than the the other bikes in this category so that's yeah. pretty pretty tempting yeah, and uh, 45 miles an hour, like that's, you know, some serious commuter spec right there. If you're staying right. in a city, then you never really need to go over 45 miles an hour. Right. And uh, obviously these are marketed a little bit more as off-road, but, um, you know, the tires kind of look not as off-road as uh, some of the other bikes we've seen. Um, they're yeah, they a little offer bit thinner. a couple options. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, you know, there are people that really use these for like trail riding like this. And mm -hmm. then I think they have some sort of like dual sport where they're sort of like, uh, you know, a bit knobbier, but still uh, enough tread for, for street riding. But they really do sort of market these as like really almost dual sport bikes that, that you could take, you know, to, to work during the week. And then on the weekends, you can go play around on them. And uh, I've only ridden the, the Onyx RCR once. Uh, I was able to meet up with um, James, their CEO, back, uh, wow, before Corona. So it was like 2019. And uh, we, we did riding on the same bikes, same tires on both off-road and the street. So the ability to just go back and forth, uh, you know, and like be on a fire road and then hop right onto like sort of a, a local urban highway is pretty trippy. Yeah, I mean, they, they look certainly off-road capable. 
Um, and obviously with the, the video, it's, clearly they're, they're having tons of fun out there. Um, you know, I, I guess like my last question is like, when, when are these going to hit the streets? Like it's, you know, they're Indiegogo now, but they could, they clearly have a track record of making the things that they, uh, pre-order, but, um, oh, it's not Indiegogo. They're just doing their own kind of thing. Right. Yeah. This time they're, they're just taking pre-orders on their site. And I think it was July that they said, uh, shipping would start. Okay. That's not too yeah, long. There we go. July, August, yeah. Give themselves a little wiggle room there with the July to August. So if you order, you only have to pre-order and put down a hundred bucks or is that, how does it work? Yeah, so you can put down um, a reservation, but uh, I think what they say is if you pay in full, then you're at the front of the line for the first shipments. Oh, interesting. Got it. Well, that's, that's pretty cool. And, uh, you know, if you're in the market for, uh, like we said before, uh, the aerial grizzly, although the aerial grizzly is all wheel drive. I don't know if that makes a difference for people. And the super 73 has a, a different look to it. Um, but if you're in the market for like one of these three $3,500 bikes, uh, <laughs> this is like double the, double the output. So, uh, pretty tempting price-wise yeah as definitely fact, <laughs> as a matter of fact i'm thinking about all right do i need maybe i need this i don't know we'll see yeah yeah i could uh, uh i could see a space for this in my life like this yeah exactly this... 40 miles per hour i like the sound of that all right i i let's let's move on before i make a stupid decision here <laughs> All right. TS Bravo is the is the latest low-cost electric motorcycle with the specs and price to upend the industry. Yeah, so the TS Bravo is a uh, pretty new motorcycle, but it is now spreading around Europe. Uh, they're expanding into Oceania with um, Australia and New Zealand. There's a new dealer like 10 minutes from my apartment in Tel Aviv, and uh, it's really sort of taking Europe by storm. Because this is a uh, highway-capable electric motorcycle. Gets up to about 85 miles an hour, or I think like 130 uh, kilometers per hour. And it's got a gigantic battery. It's something like 17 kilowatt hours. Yet it is priced well below what uh, you know a, a motorcycle with that level of performance and that size battery would cost from a company like Zero. So it's something like 12,000 euros, which is about uh, 13,000 or so dollars. And it's it's really sort of pushing this commuter electric motorcycle into the next league. So if you compare it to something like um, the Saunders Metacycle, right? So that's a presumably 80 mile an hour electric motorcycle, though no one's really been able to test that yet. And uh, that bike at $6,000 has less than a quarter of the battery. So this one, you could actually ride it, you know, like 100 plus miles on the highway, I think even, uh, I think it was something like 160 miles or something like that. But the city range is like 270 miles. It's it's crazy. I mean, you could charge this like once a month if you're staying in the city. Yeah, so this kind of fits a little bit between the Saunders motorcycle types and like a zero price wise, but kind of pretty close to the zero uh, 
in terms of performance and, and specs. Yeah, the, the one area it falls short is it doesn't have the you know highest speed. So at 85, that'll get you on the highway just fine. You know, like I can live my whole life not needing to go faster than 85 miles an hour. But, you know, if you wanted to do 100 plus miles an hour, you need, you know, a Harley Davidson Livewire or a Zero or an Energica, one of the like flagship electric motorcycles. Right. This one is, it's for someone who doesn't need the bragging rights of triple digits. It's, you know, right. that just needs a fast enough motorcycle to do anything they want on the highway. And occasionally I'll still hear people say like, no, you need the higher speed in case you need to overtake someone. But, you know, the, I can see the argument, but I really think that 85 miles an hour, that's basically all most everyone needs for a, a, a highway capable motorcycle that can truly go anywhere. That it's not one of these middleweight electric motorcycles that you can't really take on the highway or take in the fast lane. This one, I think I'd feel comfortable taking it anywhere. And, uh, you know, it, it has the specs to, to hold its own there. Uh, not to mention that, you know, giant battery, which, uh, to put that in perspective, 17 kilowatt hours, that's much higher than zero's 14 kilowatt hours. Uh, it's got a leg up on Harley, which I think is 15 and a half. The only bike that I can think of that has a higher battery is the highest capacity Energica, which is 21 kilowatt hours, I believe. So it's, you know, got a, a, a bit more capacity, but that's also like two and a half times the price. Right. So, yeah, you know, dollars to, to kilowatt hours, like you just can't beat this. So smaller uh, output, bigger battery, that means range is going to be better. Um, 272 miles, um, city speeds, 172 miles mixed and 75 miles at highway that's are we talking about like displacing no, 100 miles at uh at highway what is it yeah at uh 75 miles an hour you get 100 miles oh wow that's that's impressive um yeah. that uh so how about charging what's the charging situation um charging i believe that they have um What's the, is it the type two European charger? I, I forget what the, yeah, it uh, says, like car and... it says 3.8 kilowatt charger, but is there a fast yeah. like DC charging option? No, it doesn't have DC fast charging. Um, it has a, uh, the 3.8 kilowatt onboard AC charger. And then I think it's got the European connector because it's only available right now in Europe. Uh, well, actually also they're expanding into Asia and Oceania. I'm not sure mm -hmm. what charging connectors they use over there. But, um, you know, it doesn't have like a, a J1772 uh, or anything yet because they right. just aren't in the, in the U.S. yet. But you would be able to plug it in either from a level two station, like, you know, any public charging right. station on the corner, or you could plug it in at home. And uh, in Europe, where there's 220 volts, it still is going to charge pretty quickly um, in about, uh, yeah, four hours there from like a, a home outlet. So that's, that's pretty decent. Yeah, not bad. Uh, so for our U.S. listeners, any chance that this is coming to the U.S.? So I talked to the European team, and they like the idea of expanding to the U.S., but they've pretty much got their hands full in Europe, and I certainly understand that. I mean, even for you know Zero Motorcycles, which is a American company based in California, 
the majority of their sales are in Europe. So I, I get that the, the U.S. market is just smaller and that they're not in a hurry to expand to the States. Right. Makes sense. All right. Looks cool. Moving on. Uh, Wolf King GT Pro review. So we're switching gears, so to speak, a little bit. This is a scooter. You know, I, I don't want to say like a Razor Kick scooter because this is definitely not that. Uh, how I reviewed a 63 mile per hour standing electric scooter and lived to tell about it. I think a Razor scooter is like breakfast for this thing. <laughs> right. I mean, this is an, an appetizer. For breakfast. <laughs> this uh, just whets your appetite. Yeah. Right. I mean, two motors, uh, a gigantic battery, 63 miles an hour, over 100 kilometers an hour. This thing is just insane. For a lot of my testing, I actually just kept it in rear wheel drive because two motors is like more than you often need. And to be honest, I rarely got it up past 50 miles an hour, not because it couldn't do it, but just because that felt like fast enough, you know, like I, I didn't even hit the 62 uh, or 63 mile an hour top speed because to me, like, you know, it's, it's fun that it can do that, but 50 miles an hour is fun enough in my opinion. So you didn't take and it on the highway is what you're saying? I didn't take it on the highway. No, if, <laughs> if you've seen TikTok videos of dudes doing like 60 miles an hour with cars, those are not me. Sorry. Well, it's good to know that in the, in some sort of emergency, like you need to go to the hospital or something, something you can get on the highway with this thing. Yeah. Or you can get a, a shortcut and take this to the ambulance. Right. Exactly. Because you're going to need an ambulance if you're riding this too much on the highway anyway. Uh, so yeah. crazy bike. But, uh, you know, that extra power, um, I imagine it's good for uh, not just highways, but also for like accelerating up a hill, for instance. Yeah, that's exactly true. And that's a point that I, I tried to hammer home in this review is that just because it's ridiculously powerful and can go highway speeds doesn't mean you have to ride it that way. Like for most of my riding, I was in the the high 40s. And that extra power basically means that you've got the acceleration when you need it, when you're at the front at a red light, you know, you can pull out ahead of the cars and and stay away from all of the danger of getting run over. And if you're climbing hills, I mean, this thing, if the wheels were sticky enough, I think it'd climb up a wall. That's how powerful it is. So no that's hill nuts. is going to is going to best this scooter. And that's really where that that high performance comes in. You know, if you want to go 60 miles an hour, you can do it. That's, you know, a certain type of thrill that I guess some people really enjoy. But for me, the, uh, the extra power was really the difference here. And, you know, of course, the scooter is built for it, right? Like it's got really powerful brakes. The re regenerative braking itself, you have to be careful when it comes on because it comes on powerfully, though you can adjust it. And it's got, you know, really good uh, hydraulic suspension, high ground clearance. So if you want to take it off road. You can, uh, you know, be going over rocks and, and roots and stuff. They do have off-road tires. Uh, the one I tested had the street tires, so I didn't do too much off-roading. I, I tried, but it was just so powerful that I couldn't get any traction on, like, dirt and grass with those street tires. And it, did I just see that there was two chargers there? Yeah, the battery is so big. It's, like, 2.5 kilowatt hours. That it's got two charger ports, and it ships with two chargers. So you can uh, charge it quicker because uh, with... 2.5 kilowatt hours. I think, you know, the charge time is, would be like almost a day or something with like a, a small two amp charger. 
So wow. even with two, I think it's uh, 12 hours. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, it looks like a ton of fun. So are there any regulations? I mean, you know, we talk about bike regulations. Are there any regulations here? Obviously, you're not supposed to take this on the highway, but like what what's the situation on roads? Yeah, so unfortunately, it varies state by state, so it's, it's hard to say, uh, but there are not uh, really clear regulations for electric scooters the way there are for electric bicycles, like with the three-class system. So in some states, these things are just illegal. In some states, they're legislated and they are legal. But in many places, it's just this gray area where they, they haven't been legalized, but they're not inherently illegal either. So I think that's why you see a lot of people getting away with like highway riding and stuff. Either they're just blatantly breaking the law or it's because there's nothing that's actually been legislated yet to prevent that from happening because this is a very... I would say new category, these, you know, really high powered scooters. Now, they have been around for years, but only in the last couple of years have they really taken off as actual commuter vehicles with a pretty big community of people that, you know, commute to work every day and use this basically instead of a motorcycle. Crazy. And uh, safety wise, how do these compare? Like, are there any numbers out there versus motorcycles or bikes? Like, are they less safe, more safe? It's a good question. I, I'm not sure they've been around long enough to have any official statistics. Uh, I know that the like smaller, you know, Lime and Bird style scooters, uh, there are actual statistics and those are, are considered fairly dangerous. But I think one of the reasons that you see higher per capita injuries on those is that you have a lot of people that don't normally ride getting on a, you know, a Lime scooter or a Bird scooter for the first time. And so right. And they don't have helmets a- and they're probably inebriated and etc. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so this one, I mean, you can see in the video that when I'm riding it faster, I'm wearing my motorcycle helmet. I'm wearing, you know, my full armored jacket, boots, uh, motorcycle gloves. And when I'm just in neighborhoods, you know, I was definitely in a t-shirt and jeans and that's probably not wise, you know, even riding a a 25 mile an hour electric bicycle, if you go down in a t-shirt, you're going to get a bit messed up. But, you know, for higher speed stuff, I was definitely suited up in my motorcycle gear. Cool. Well, yeah, definitely stay safe out there. Um, you know what? You, <laughs> I still laugh about our trip to Germany where I think each one of us wrecked at least one time on an e-bike. <laughs> um, yeah. All right, moving last one of the week. Uh, awesomely weird Alibaba vehicle of the week was the $8,000 electric boat with submarine capsule. And I think uh, Michael Bauer, our, our in-house artist, kind of outdid himself this time. Yeah, that, that guy is a, a wizard. So if you guys wonder how I miraculously get to virtually test all of these weird Alibaba electric vehicles I find every week, it's uh, definitely Michael Bauer's um, magician skills with Photoshop. So here I am on what is probably the weirdest electric boat I've ever seen. This thing is, I would call it um, something of a pontoon boat. I mean, it's sort of got two pontoons that in the center, suspend an underwater capsule. And so when you go below deck, I guess, I don't even know what the terminology is on something this weird, but when you drop down into that capsule, it is a sort of submarine, um, I I don't even know what you would call it. It's just like a a box surrounded with windows. I mean, it's kind of my nightmare to be in like a washing machine underwater. (laughs) I would almost want to wear like scuba gear just to go down there. 
Yeah, right. Like it's it's both fascinating and terrifying at the right. same time. But I, I guess you would have an amazing view because you're in this like glass box suspended under the water from this electric pontoon boat. And you can and theoretically you, know, you can just jump straight up and be safe theoretically, right? Yeah, as long as that door opens. Right. <laughs> okay. So a bad time for the hinges to freeze. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I guess the good side is like probably those windows are one kick away from, you know, falling out. So if, if for, you know, something started leaking and the door didn't open, you could probably just kick your way out of that pretty quickly. <laughs> I don't know if that's comforting or not. <laughs> yeah. There's no comfort in, in any of this. And it's weird. I don't know why it looks like a bathroom. Like, I don't know what, what all that, those materials are down there, but like, it just seemed, it's got a bathroom vibe to me for some reason. Yeah. Like if, uh, if a plain bathroom and a porta potty had a baby, right. this is what I see. Yeah. And maybe that's, you know, I'm used to, you know, when you go in a boat down to the, to the head, that's kind of what the, you know, that's the only reason you go, go down, uh, well, super interesting. Like, uh, I can see this being neat for people who like to go diving and uh, don't want to get wet. So, <laughs> or it's don't want to get that wet. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> uh, not getting wet is optimistic here. Yeah, I might wet myself in this thing. <laughs> <laughs> right, you got to worry about your own your own uh, wetness. Uh, so. It's eight thousand bucks. Uh, by the time it ships to you, uh, what are we thinking here? Probably like down payment on a house, I would say. Okay. <laughs> right. So maybe if you want to, if you know somebody in China who wants to uh, boat this across the Pacific for you or something, makes sense. I don't know. The hazard on that. <laughs> yeah, the hazard. Uh, well, it's it's certainly a unique idea. It fits perfectly in our uh, our series, Alibaba, Weird Electric Vehicle of the Week. Um, what's the top speed on this thing? I'm not sure. They were very uh, light on specs, unfortunately, and I wasn't able to get the spec sheet like I usually am. So all I know is it's got two of those enclosed sort of um, like uh, electric paddleboard style motors, and it doesn't yeah. look particularly really fast no it kind of looks like an electric fan uh underwater in, in this particular image and over here it looks a little bit more which is weird you would think they would look similar but um over here it looks a little bit more uh, professional um oh right well that's uh that certainly fits the category um and that's <laughs> our last story of the week let's uh take a look at some of the comments uh a exciting one here for you i'm sure uh micah's dad commented uh i'm micah's dad and i just wanted to say how proud his mom and i are of our son and all of the good he's doing by promoting personal electric vehicles in a positive and supportive way wow th thank you dad <laughs> i appreciate <laughs> it so you're, you're gonna so we're both in florida right now i think you're traveling across the state uh to visit the the parents um, I'm hopefully going to meet you in Sarasota, uh, which is kind of between where we are in a couple of days. So that should be fun. Um, but it is, it is nice to be down here in Florida. Um, seeing, I'm seeing in-laws, you're seeing your parents. It's cool. 
Um, do you know, so Milos Milovicic uh, says, what about a Sax RS motor? I think that's in response to um, the Bafang we were talking about. Are you familiar with that motor? I'm not familiar with that one. I'll have to look it up. Sounds, sounds new to me. All right. Uh, Frank D asks, any good foldable e-bikes with a passenger seat? Hmm. The, the one that's coming to mind is the Fido L3, I think it's called, but it's a very small wheel. It's like, uh, I think it's 16 inch wheels and the passenger seat is very low. So best for kids or like a small adult, I would say. I'm trying to think of anything that would be like sort of rad runner sized with a full, you know, uh, adult size passenger back seat. And I'm blanking, about, unfortunately. Is there a uh, add-on to the electric uh, XP? I've seen people sit on the rear rack, but there is not an official passenger seat. I, I think the rack is rated at 75 pounds, if I'm not mistaken, or 77, which means that, you know, they had to have put at least double on it for testing. Right. And the fact that I've, I've seen, you know, people like carrying their girlfriend back there. So, right. you know, not yeah. advised, but effective. Yeah. So get a couple towels uh and uh have a good time all right uh raju rahul raj says electric fat tire cycle two months back india 67k bmw original i don't know if i can decipher that what do you think um yeah it sounds like he converted a fat tire motorcycle perhaps and i forget what the conversion is for um is it rupees in in India, oh, 67,000. 67K. Yeah, I think he bought it for 67K. I don't know. I'll have to follow up with more detail, Raul. All right. Then that's the end of the comments today. All right. Well, uh, this has been the Wheelie Podcast. Thank you guys, everyone, for joining in. And we will be back in two weeks, probably from different cities, both of us. But we will be talking again about the most popular electric bike and other electric rideable news. So we will see you back here in a fortnight.